Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. It was September 18th, 1985, when David Letterman included his first top 10 list on his late night talk show. Anybody remember the topic of his first top 10 list? Pretty memorable. The first list was made up of the top 10 words that almost rhyme with peas. So the list included, in no particular order, heats, rice, moss, ties, needs, lens, ice, nurse, leeks, and meats. These are the top 10 list of words that almost rhyme with peas. He was off to a great start, wasn't he? <laughs> now Dave would typically say that the list originated from the home office in some obscure city or town in the United States. And the people of Wahoo, Nebraska, Wahoo, can't make this stuff up. I mean, you could, but Wahoo. Is there a song about that? They lobbied the Letterman show to have their town name used as the location of the home office, which it was from the mid to late 90s. Now, these top 10 lists became so popular that there would be surprise guests who would appear on the show unannounced to read the list for Dave. And even a book was made with a collection of the best or most popular lists. Now, I don't know what the name of the book was, but I have a suggestion. They didn't ask. But I would have called it the list of the top 10, top 10 lists. Anyway, in this morning's reading from Deuteronomy, the Israelites received God's top 10 list of do's and don'ts from the home office at Mount Sinai. Thank you. I, that got one laugh in the earlier service. Um, I, I knew I could count on you guys. It's a little later, a little younger crowd. A little, a little. But this isn't the first time that the Israelites have received the Ten Commandments. It's actually the second. They were first given to Moses right after the Israelites escaped Egypt and began their wilderness wandering, as we read in the book of Exodus. And this second recording of the Ten Commandments in the book of Deuteronomy comes from the book that literally means second law. Deuteronomy means second law. Now, there were 40 years between the first giving of the Ten Commandments and the, the second. So what happened in those in-between years? Well, as I mentioned, uh, Moses first received the Ten Commandments as the Israelites were beginning their wilderness wanderings on their way to the Promised Land. And last week, we read about how Pharaoh was afraid of the Israelites because they had become so numerous and kept making them work harder, and the harder he made them work, the, more, the stronger they became and the more numerous they became. And that Moses was called by God through that burning bush that never actually burnt up, and told that he would be the one to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. 
So when Moses went and confronted Pharaoh and said, uh, excuse me, but uh, God, or I am, has sent me to tell you that you need to let the Egyptians, your whole workforce, go. Do you mind? <laughs> Pharaoh said, fat chance. So God, having Moses' back, just like he promised, sent ten plagues upon the Egyptians. And after each plague, Moses went back to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said, I'm not going to release the people, nice try, until the tenth plague. And in the tenth plague, that where God sent the angel of death to kill the firstborn son in every Egyptian household, Pharaoh finally cried uncle. Said, you may go, you may take all the Egyptians, get them out of here. And he let the Egyptians leave, but he followed them to the banks of the Red Sea. And there at the, at the edge of the Red Sea, God parted the waters. The Egyptians were able to cross to the other side on dry land as the, Israel, or the, the Israelites were, as the Egyptians entered behind them. Pharaoh's army and horses and men, this, the waters came back and they were drowned. It's from there that the Israelites began those 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Their wandering began after years and generations of being slaves, just like Mr. Justin was talking about. And all during that time, the rules had been made for them. And now they had no rules. So they had to figure out how to be a community without that oppressive structure that Pharaoh had provided. It's easy to be galvanized when we have a common enemy. We see that playing over and over in our world today. But now the people had to figure out, the Israelites had to figure out how to be a community without that common enemy. And God provided them with that structure, with the boundaries that they needed that told them how to live in relationship with their God and how to live in relationship with each other. And that's what the commandments do, my friends. They orient us to a life lived in relationship with the one true God, the one who brought the Israelites out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And they also orient us how we are to live our lives in relationship with each other. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. Remember, the Sabbath day, and keep it holy. Those are about our relationship with God. And then the remaining seven commandments. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not commit murder, adultery, or steal. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's house or servants or livestock or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Those are all about living in relationship with each other. They're about loving our neighbor. You'll know that the commandments are not about you. They're about God and the other people and how you're to relate to them. The commandments were so important, they were given to the Israelites twice. God repeated God's self. Moses repeated himself. But in fact, they were given to two different people. You see, during those 40 years in the wilderness, the generation that had fled Egypt had mostly died. And in our reading, now Moses is talking to a new generation, the generation that was born while they were in the wilderness. So they never knew the oppression and suffering that their ancestors had endured in Egypt. They hadn't experienced it themselves. 
You see, they were born into freedom. So the Ten Commandments would mean something a little bit different to them than they had to their ancestors. In this new generation, the commandments will be used to to guide and to govern their new lives in the promised land, which they are just about to enter into. Now when Moses gave the commandments to this generation, he began by reminding them who God is and reminding them of what God had done for them. Well, when God delivered their ancestors from slavery, God freed not only their ancestors, but God also freed them. Of course, they hadn't been born yet, but if if their ancestors hadn't been freed from slavery, they too would have been slaves. So what God did for their ancestors, God did for them. And the same is true for us. What God has done for our ancestors, God has done for us as well. You see, we're blessed by the blessing that Abraham received when he received that covenant from God way back in the Old Testament. And we too have received the promise of new life through the covenant that God established through the crucifixion and resurrection of his one and only son, even though we weren't around when it actually happened. As it happened to our ancestors, my friends, it has happened to us. Now, after telling his original audience and readers to obey these Ten Commands, we read then in Exodus chapter 6 that Moses repeats the commands again. You may not have noticed that, but this time he distills all ten of the commandments down to one. Hear, O Israel, he begins, in what is known as the Shema. Now the Shema is recited by observant Jews twice a day, both in the morning and in the evening. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. This one command is so important that it's printed on little pieces of parchment paper rolled up and put on bo- in little boxes. And then it's hung on the doorposts of Jewish homes. It's called the mezuzah. As a reminder of this command that we have been given by God. Not just us, but our ancestors and us. Given by God, a reminder that of, to us that affirms the divinity of God. God is God. And there is only one God. At the heart of Judaism is monotheism that belief that there is only one God. You see, at the time, people believed that there was a God for everything under the sun, including the sun. We take that for granted today, but it was a real thing in the ancient Near East. Then in our gospel reading, today when Jesus is asked by a scribe which of the commandments is the greatest of all, he replies, like any good Jewish man would, He replies by reciting the Shema. He knew it. He would have had a mezuzah in his home. So, of course, he replies, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Then, without any prompting or provocation, Jesus continues. This is the second. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. These two commandments, there is no greater commandment 
than these. In one quick teaching, Jesus boils down the top 10 to the top two. One, love the Lord your God with all that you have and all that you are. Two, love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Simple enough, way easier to, to remember than the 10, right? Way easier to remember than the 613 that are included elsewhere in the Old Testament. Just two. That's what it means to live as a chosen child of God and a disciple of Jesus. It means to love, to live our lives loving God and that which God loves. Now, if that sounds less demanding and easier than following the 10, or even at trying to adhere to all 613 laws in the Old Testament, I'd invite you to reflect on just what that means. Loving God in our neighbors requires us to give selflessly of ourselves to God to begin with. You see, those two commandments contain all of the other commandments plus some. So we begin by loving God with all that we have and all that we are, with our financial resources, with our time, with our talents. We worship God, we revere God, we remember God, not just on that Sabbath day we're supposed to keep holy, folks, but in every part of our life. That's way more demanding than just on the Sabbath, right? And loving your neighbors as yourself. I mean, I'm willing to not covet or steal or commit adultery or murder, but love them? You gotta be kidding. Have you met my neighbors? <laughs> Have you loved others with that same selfless life-giving love that God has loved you with? My friends, that is at the heart of the commands. The top two, the top 10, the all 100 or 613. It's all about loving God and loving that which God loves, which is God's creation. That love is expressed through the care and nurture of each other. Remember, these commands are not about us. They're about our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. It sounds complicated and scary because it is. Because it requires us to place our trust in others. To count upon our neighbor to have our back so that we can have our neighbor's back. It, it requires us to give generously, give dangerously to help meet the needs of our neighbors and doing so without fear, trusting that our neighbor will be worried about our needs. So you've got to be vulnerable to enter into any sort of a, a religious expression that would, would uh, challenge such a thing. And we don't often see it happen because it's contrary to what the world would say. And my friends, it's impossible it's impossible for us on our own. But it's not impossible with God. And that's the challenge God puts before us. You want to be Christ-like, then live like Christ lived. You want to be a good Christian, then live as Christ lived. Follow the commands. You can memorize all 613 if you want. I think you're better off focusing on these two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus himself said these are two, the greatest. And he invites us to live those out in our lives. 
Not because we will benefit from it, but because our neighbor will benefit from it. God's creation will benefit, creationship will benefit from it. God wants us to love God and God's creation, and that's how we show our love to God. So let us together encourage one another, challenge one another to focus on the top two. We don't need 10. We got it down to two. Love God, love neighbor. Amen.